This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Welcome to uh, this week's episode of uh, the Weekly Wealth Podcast. Uh, With all the craziness going on with the coronavirus, I wanted to talk uh, with an attorney friend of mine, Rick McDuff, about some of the the documents that we all should always have in place, but especially during a pandemic uh, when there's illnesses and everything going on. So, hey, Rick, how are you doing? Did you have a good weekend? Hey, good morning, David. How are you? Yep, had a good weekend and spent it outside in the beautiful weather. You didn't get closer to six feet, closer than six feet to anybody, did you? I don't think I got closer than about twenty-five feet to the closest person. So there you go. These are these are these are certainly crazy times, and and um, it's just eerie to drive down the road and not see any uh, not see any cars out there. So so good deal. So I was talking with Rick, and we wanted to give a brief overview of some different important types of legal documents that we all should have in place. So the first thing that Rick uh, uh, came up with is powers of attorney. So tell me what a power of attorney is, Rick, and, and why is that important? Well, David, this is a timely question uh, in light of what we're experiencing in our country and, and, and people suddenly being befell by is, illness. Um, in here in South Carolina, where I practice, we have essentially two types of powers of attorney that we use on a regular basis to help people um, plan for the unexpected. And the first type of power of attorney is what we call the durable power of attorney. Uh, Durable power of attorney, some people call them a financial power of attorney, but those are, it's a document, almost a unilateral contract that somebody makes, the principal, the person who needs the power of attorney makes it, name somebody else as their agent to make certain decisions on their behalf in the event they're unavailable to do so. Uh, Durable power of attorney is something that is effective immediately upon signing it. Another requirement under our laws, they have to be recorded here with the register of deeds uh, to be valid. But uh, once you sign it, you've, you've now delegated authority to someone to act as you, on your stead, and your stead, your agent act on your behalf. And typically they're very broad in nature, allowing the person to basically do everything that you could do uh, in, in, the, in your absence, such as manage your financial affairs, manage your business, handle investments, handle real estate assets, being able to sell and buy real estate assets in your name, as long as those powers are expressed, uh, expressly provided in the document. And the beauty of a durable power of attorney is that it survives your incapacitation. In other words, if you were to be uh, suddenly stricken uh, by COVID-19, coronavirus, end up unresponsive on a ventilator, um, the person who you name as your agent can make decisions on your behalf. If you need to handle, handle financial issues, that person could do that for you. So let me jump in there real fast because you know, this horrible COVID situation happens quickly. And I'm sure you have clients that are wealthy and, and not wealthy and everybody in between who don't have powers of attorneys in place. So let's say, um, let's say somebody ends up, uh, you know, they, they have the sniffles and then two days later they're on a ventilator and they have a mortgage due and, and they have legal issues and, and there's no power of attorney. I mean, what happens in that case? This person's in a coma. 
Well, that's that's a great question. What what happens then is that you have to go to the probate court here in South Carolina. And are they operating right now? The probate courts are still operating. They're okay. one of the, the essential courts. They're still marrying people. They're handling these types of issues. They're handling what we call guardianship and conservatorship. Okay. And you would have to go to the probate court and apply for the, to the court to have a guardian and conservator appointed for the person. A guardian is a person who would make health decisions, protect the person, the conservator protects their money. And it's a, rather than spending, you know, our average durable power of attorney is gonna cost about $250 to prepare and execute in, in my office. Uh, if you had to go through a guardianship and conservatorship, that's gonna run probably mm, right now in the new act, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five, $6,000 at a minimum. And what about a time period? I mean, I'm sure it doesn't happen immediately, right? It doesn't happen immediately. You have to get doctor's certification. Uh, two physicians have to certify the person is incompetent to make their own decisions and to be able to handle their own affairs. And oftentimes, and can you imagine now how difficult it would be to get a doctor to execute affidavits for you to take to the probate court when they're dealing with all kinds of issues and working 20-hour days and things like that. Sure. So I'm married, though. I mean, my wife can certainly sign my name anywhere she wants, right? Without a power of attorney or no? That, that's not correct. Uh, in order to be able to execute documents on your behalf, handle your affairs, uh, your wife would have to be your agent. And that's normally what's done is the spouse is made the agent under a power of attorney. And it authorizes the spouse to then sign on behalf of the spouse who cannot, who's un incapacitated. Um, yeah, and once that incapacitation goes away, let me let me tell people: don't be afraid of a power of attorney. It doesn't take your decision-making authority away. Uh, it just is as a helper, as a friend. Uh, the person who you name as your agent can't take over your financial affairs. It allows them to act in your stead in the event you're unavailable, incapacitated, or otherwise indisposed. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So it seems like. I mean, if somebody wanted to prepare a, a power of attorney, are you talking, you know, 20, 30, 40 minute hour consultation with you? I mean, it, it's probably not a, a, a huge undertaking, right? If you're just, you know, plain Joe and, and just need a generic type of power of attorney? Well, and, and there are two, really two types of attorneys that we would do at the same time. One we talked about was the durable power of attorney. The other is what we call a healthcare power of attorney, or some states call them living wills. And that is a delegation of authority to a person you name your agent to make, well, not to be morbid, but sort of those end of life decisions for you. Well, having had two parents that passed in the hospital, I can tell you that making those decisions prior or talking with your relatives and having the right papers in place is such a blessing because it, it, it takes a huge burden off of um, off of the relatives, so hugely, hugely recommended. And again, if you didn't have those documents in place, then there might be the need for a guardianship conservatorship, where for you know, spending a half hour with us, telling us who you want to be your agent, providing us with the information, and executing those documents, then you're covered. Okay. Um, so those are the two two types we recommend. We think they're absolutely essential as part of your overall estate plan. Yeah, well, it seems like during any time this is absolutely essential. But um, hopefully, this coronavirus is is going to be more uh, 
and have less impact in the less populated states like South Carolina, but you just don't know. You just don't know when it comes through. And you don't know, and even, even the absence of a, a pandemic, there's still documents that we, we recommend people have and not, not go without because the unexpected can always happen. That's what we're asked to do as lawyers is to help people plan for the unexpected. Right, right. So what's, um, do you have any horror stories or can you tell us maybe where someone, a client or someone, they probably weren't a client or else they would have had it in place where, but there are some really negative consequences of not having a good power of attorney in place? Well, in, in one I had uh, in the last year where there was a woman who was suddenly stricken by a stroke uh, and she was uh, rendered incapacitated because of no power of attorney documents in place. Her son then had to go in and ask for the probate court to appoint guardian and conservatorship powers to him to be able to help put his mother in the facility to care for her. And what would have cost $250 for a durable power of attorney now is in the, on the order of probably four or $5,000 for the son to now go to the probate court, not including the, the reporting requirements. You have to send photographs of the person to the court on a periodic basis. There has to be a guardian ad litem uh, there have to be a lot of people that are hired and paid to overlook and oversee the guardianship and conservatorship to make sure that the guardian conservator are doing what they're supposed to be doing and not taking advantage of the other person. So, you know, and he tried to talk his mother before she was stricken uh, to coming and doing powers of attorney, but she was, uh, you know, let's say recalcitrant, stubborn, didn't do it. And sure. there you occurred. Sure. You know, one of the things in my financial planning practice that I really try to talk about a lot is we all need to control what we can control. Um, you know, we, we have good investment strategies, and but, but ultimately we cannot control the markets. But what we can control is that we pick up the phone and call Rick or call another attorney to schedule an appointment to get these important documents done. Um, there, because when, when it comes down to it, when there's an unforeseen incident and these documents are needed, nobody's ever going to regret spending $200, $250 and, and spending that time uh, getting them done. So is there anything else you would like to add about, uh, uh, about powers of attorneys? No, I, I would just, I, you know, not, it sounds almost self-serving, but I would, I would urge people if you haven't done your estate plan, if you haven't haven't updated your estate plan, if you haven't done powers of attorney, you need to make an appointment, whoever it is, and get them done. Put it behind you, put them in a safe place, and then it's, it gives you some peace of mind. So a lot of people think of estate planning as for rich people. You know, if you have millions and millions of dollars, you need to do estate planning. Uh, what is an estate plan? And talk about kind of the minimal the minimal parts of an estate plan. Uh, you know, for kind of your average Joe, and then obviously more wealthier people, that it becomes more complicated. But just give me some, when you say estate planning, minimally, what are you talking about? Minimally, an estate plan is going to be the two powers of attorney that I mentioned. We call it the trinity of estate planning. But at the very minimum, it's going to be durable power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, and a will of some sort. Um, a lot of times, you know, if it's, if it's husband and wife, um, is a will absolutely necessary if one of them passes away? Not necessarily, but there's always a need for a will when the second of them dies because there has to be some sort of orderly administration and, and, uh, and succession of their estate. 
The big risk for people, whether they're of means or small means, is that if you own property uh, as a husband and wife, you have assets, then what happens is that, uh, let's say you've got children and the husband wants a wife protected fully, but there are children and the children and the, and the parents don't always get along. And so what would then happen is without a will, 50% under South Carolina law of the estate would go to the wife and 50% would go to the children. And so the wife doesn't get 100% of what the husband intended her to get. So to make sure she was cared for and the church, she, she's going to share in the husband's assets with the children who may or may not get along with the parents. So the, at, at a minimum, I'm recommending you have a will. Okay. Okay. And, and I think more than likely, you know the questions to ask where uh, I would guess many husbands and wives just assume, hey, you know, I die, my wife gets 100% of everything until the kids are older. And, uh, but that's, that's not the case. And you know those questions and you, uh, you of course know the, the ways to, to um, structure things. So it does happen the way that they would like it to happen, correct? That's, Typically? that's correct. Yeah, when you die without a will, it's called dying intestate. In most states, uh, including South Carolina, have what, what they call intestate succession rules. And so if you die without a will, it says in South Carolina, 50% goes to your surviving spouse, the other 50% goes to your children. Whether or not that's what you intended, that's what the outcome is going to be. So, we so how does that affect a house that's owned 50% by mother and 50% by six-year-old child? That's kind of a problem, isn't it? Well, then, then you have to create a guardianship for the six-year-old child to put that, the title to that property in a guardianship for the benefit of that child until that child turns the age of 18 or the age of majority. Which, again, is adding more cost, more time, more hassle, and it's more than likely not what, what was intended or wanting to happen. So, yeah, little, little planning. Circumstances, it's you know, about 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not what anybody ever intended or wanted to happen. And certainly, if, if you're on marriage number two or three, that creates more complications and, and, and children of, of, of first and second marriages. So these are all, all questions that I'm sure you would ask and, and, and determine the best legal, legal recourses. That's correct. And, you know, I'll give you an example. I have one now where there were four children from the first marriage and husband uh, remarries after his wife is deceased. And uh, he and his second wife are married. He then uh, is diagnosed with a terminal illness and dies. And so you have an estate plan uh, where the, uh, that was probably could have been done better. If there was an estate plan, there was a will in force and effect. But even there, there was the unintended consequence where now you have the wife of short duration, second wife, who's now not mother of these children and these four adult children, not being agreeable over anything and trying to figure out how do we, how do we divide everything up after die, dad is suddenly diagnosed and dies. Well, and, and you would certainly guess that there would be just bad feelings and just, I think it's just easier to have these things dealt with prior to anything happening, just, just to head off the, the decisions and the bad feelings and the arguments. Cause I've seen in, in the past, you know, whenever there's any kind of an inheritance, a, a little chunk of money makes people go crazy sometimes. So, well, it doesn't take a whole lot. It, you know, it, it, money changes people, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And we have second spouses, step parents involved, and children from first marriage. That's a recipe for problems. 
unless you have, you need to have a will and you need to have a will that addresses those issues. Uh, dying without a will in those circumstances would be, would be almost disastrous. It would create so many problems. Okay. And do you look at how assets are titled as far as, you know, how the home is titled? Let's say, again, you're dealing with a husband and wife, There's a couple different ways to title those homes, and some probably have more advantages than others, correct? Well, they do. And, and we normally recommend absent, you know, there, there are a couple ways for a home. Husband and wife, we normally recommend that those are titled in some sort of right of survivorship, by some sort of right of survivorship deed. That means when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse automatically takes title to the house without it having to go through probate or title the property without having to go through probate. Um, it, it saves a lot of grief because let's say you have an example where husband and wife own a house together, but it's titled in what we call tenants in common. That means each has an undivided one half interest. And let's say there's a will where wife gets everything from husband, husband dies, well, his half of the house, his 50% of the interest, still has to go through probate before it makes it, its way to wife and she gets full title. Now, in the meantime, it's subject to any creditor's claims, his half interest, say he died with large medical bills, that his half interest would be subject to creditor's claims in that probate process. Whereas if you put it in a right of survivorship format or, or form, then wife automatically gets 100% of the title at best in her upon death, all she has to do is record a death certificate with the register of deeds and becomes fully vested with title. It never goes through probate. It's, it's almost like designated beneficiary on your life insurance uh, plan or your policy. And, and, and if your house is not titled in that way, how difficult is it to change it? Um, very, very simple. It's just coming in, you know, that's another low cost uh, fix. It's, it's what we call cheap estate planning is that husband and wife can come in and do a deed to execute as tenants in common to themselves with right of survivorship and for $15 it gets recorded. That's a recording fee with the register of deeds. And is your bank or your mortgage care how it's titled? Uh, the, usually bank and a mortgage, they're gonna have, a, a, even though if say the husband's only on the note to repay a mortgage, the wife is always gonna be on the mortgage. Okay. Uh, and so the banks typically don't care if it's in right of survivorship format. Uh, you know, if you're going to do something different, maybe put it to a trust, then banks may care. That's gotcha. Gotcha. So these are the reasons why it's, I think it's important for, for anybody to have a conversation with you or any other competent attorney, because you just simply know the questions to ask. And then, you know, you can figure out the solutions and make things easier when or if something does happen. The last thing anybody needs when there's a loss of a loved one is just a problem that could have been prevented because let's face it, you're dealing with the biggest problem you'll ever deal with and that is the loss of that loved one. Right. Um, and, and if there's a preventable financial problem or a preventable uh, estate problem, that just adds, adds some, some wood on the fire. So uh, Rick, I think you are licensed in uh, South Carolina and Florida. Um, if anybody wanted to have a, a Zoom call or a, you know, a quick phone call, what number would they call to have a, a quick consultation with you? Uh, David, they would call area code 864-22466. Or you can email me at rick, R-I-C-K, underscore McDuff, M-C-D-U-F-F, at A-T-T dot net. Perfect. And I just do want to add that, please, this was just informational. This was not legal advice. 
uh, Rick or your own attorney would would definitely be qualified to give you uh, specific advice to your situation. This is just some real general stuff. So so there's the uh, there's the attorney disclaimer, right? So we always That's have good. to have that. Good deal. Yep. Good deal. Well, uh, I look forward to doing uh, another episode with you in the, in the near future. And I think this was real, real beneficial for everybody involved. So I appreciate your time. Thank you, David. Appreciate Good. it. Good deal. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Rick McDuff. What better time than now when maybe we have some free time on our hands with the quarantine and the coronavirus to deal with our estate planning issues that maybe we've been putting off. So uh, consult your own attorney or if you'd like to contact Rick McDuff, 864-882-2466. Or you can email rick.mcduff at att.net. And also, please remember that we would really appreciate positive reviews. And if you would uh, follow us on the podcasting platform where you heard this, and we wish you a blessed week.